0: Welcome to the Good Luck Club podcast. Our mission here is to help a million people start a business of their own and make sure anyone that has started a business never feels alone doing it. I have a very special guest on the podcast today, Stefan Goliath. He's a venture capitalist with some very interesting clients and amazing stories. He's going to share his insights with us as an entrepreneur himself, helping entrepreneurs, as well as someone that understands how it works when it comes to raising money and getting money for your startup. Anyone out there that looks to grow their business, we all know funding is important. So please join me in welcoming Stefan to the show. Stefan, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Well, I'd like to start off, if you don't mind... Uh, Introducing yourself a little bit more to our
1: audience. Sure, sure. Uh, I am a venture capitalist. Originally from Estonia, grew up in in Tallinn, the capital. Uh, when I was eighteen, I've decided to run away from my mom and dad. That was my mission to, to become in, independent. And the best way to do it is uh, is change change the city, change the country, <laughs> probably. Um, so I actually moved to Britain to start my first. I uh, studied in Cardiff uh, as a uh, Bachelor of Dental Technician and then done my Master's and worked in hospitals. So making people smile. So that, that was an amazing period of, of, of my life. Um, but then I got a little bit bored uh, of the routine. Working in a hospital is, is a great, great job, but it can be a routine. Um, and I, at the same time, I was always intrigued about investing in early-stage companies. And the little savings that I had, I would always invest in startups that my friends would start in, in Tallinn. And you might know that the uh, the Baltic state was doing double-digit growth in the uh, early 2000s. So I thought, wow, I'm doing more than 20% every year. I must be the best venture capitalist. <laughs> I was doing so well. And the returns I got from the investments, I invested in education. So I've done a Cranfield MBA and that was my way to uh, to jump from uh, healthcare and dental into the uh, into finance, finance world. How I um, And that's how I ended up working for Nick Jenkins, one of the dragons at the time, the, the founder of moonpeak.com. And with Nick Jenkins, we've done two seasons of Dragon's Den. Uh, that was really not me working for Nick, it was Nick teaching me how to do things and how to run an angel investment portfolio for, uh, uh, for ultra high net worth individuals but he was literally day, day in, day out with me as um, uh, working with me as a student. So he would show me how to build the Excel, how to do the due diligence, and then how do you operationally manage the portfolio and exit the companies. It was by far the best <laughs> education you can get, hands on. Um, and then when Nick was, um, uh, was stepping down from, from the show, then I had a choice. Do I, do I work for a venture capital, for, uh, for a fund, private equity? do i start my own thing and as entrepreneurs go we we prefer to start our own things do we (laughs) and i'm sure that most of the listeners as well and i decided just to take a risk and uh, start my own little vehicle so that's that's what we do today it's been six years and uh, so far so good touch wood
0: (laughs) i i love your story i i really find the whole um you know cv fascinating from you know, I think your title was dental technician at the NHS. Right. And I love it that, you, you know, you term it is making people smile. That's just it's just awesome. And I love it that, you know, you can go from that role, which you loved, but then decided you wanted to go to the go and do something else and become, you know, a VC. You know, I think so many yeah. people will, will think, oh, you know, if I want to get into VC, I know a lot of my listeners might be like, I'd love to get into the world of investing in startups, you know, but I, I don't have the experience. I don't have a finance background. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. And your story yeah. is very inspiring because you, you can show that it's possible. And and I also love the fact, you know, you you you, uh, you left home at 18, I left, I left home at 15. So I can relate <laughs> to that too. Again, it's not like you had the network. It's not like you already had the backing and support you went out there and made it all happen yourself. But I'm, I'm intrigued in, in, in as to how that, that moment happened. How, how did you, you know, first of all, I think Nick Jenkins is one of the underrated dragons. I really like him and I love watching episodes with him in it. And so mm. I, I think he's an awesome dragon, but how did it happen? How did you end up meeting him and, and end up working with him? How did it, how did it play out?
1: Well, um, Something that I wanted to mention, uh, Simon, you've said that you've left uh, f- at 15 independently. <coughs> I just wanted to say that definitely encourage everybody to uh, to go out there on their own and not, not be afraid and, and risk it the earlier the better. We have to make our mistakes uh, early in life. Um, so definitely go for it. Don't, don't hesitate. Um, now with the uh, starting, and you're absolutely right, I didn't have no network at all. It was me and a bag. Uh, when I've landed on the island. <laughs> so I had to build everything from scratch. Um, but it's, it's the education and um, the network of people, the alums from the universities, uh, they, they, it's a very close network. And Nick is a graduate of Cranfield School of Management as well. And that's how it happened, really. So while I was doing my MBA, we have uh, an amazing careers department where the the school interviews every every student and they help them to identify, okay, what are the right paths for you to take? And I was nagging the careers department for the whole year. I want to be a VC, I want to be a VC. (laughs) Help me out, help me out. So I think by the end of the year, um, not that I've... uh, build a good enough report with them, that's, that's sure. But at the same time, they were so tired of me and, and nagging. They thought, okay, hey, we have to help this guy out somehow <laughs> because if, if not, he's going to drive us crazy. And when the opportunity uh, arrived, uh, basically Nick Jenkins reached, reached out to the school and I think he said, guys, look, uh, my portfolio is growing. I need, a, I need somebody to help me to manage this. Can you find a few candidates for me? And the school selected five or six of us. And, and luckily I was the one and I'm sure it was only because of I, I was bombarding them <laughs> almost on a, on a weekly basis that guys can, can you, can you help me out to break through? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was networking, um, the right, I suppose the right education and getting into that, that network of people um, and, and luck of course, because then once you're selected in the five, six candidates, how do you, how do you prepare for the interview mm-hmm. with me? I, I'm not a professional, I'm a dental technician. So going for an interview with Nick, what, what do I say? Hi, I'm a dental technician. I'm going to be your best angel portfolio manager. <laughs> and against me, there were professional financial people, fund managers and, um, and bankers. And, and Nick picked me. Um,
0: why? I think it's more, why, uh, why do you think that is? What, what, what is it that you did differently?
1: I really don't know. Uh, we'll really have to get him know. on and
0: ask him, won't we? We'll have to ask him. I think, I think we should. I think
1: it's a question to Nick. Why, why the hell he... Yeah, Nick, if <laughs> you're listening, can you, can you answer
0: in the comments, please? You know, we, we, yeah. uh, it's very interesting to understand, isn't it, the difference, uh, what, what, what was the difference between you getting the job and not getting the job? I think that's a really fascinating yeah. subject in its own. And, and you've mentioned luck there, and, and, I, and I actually think it's really interesting that you say you were lucky, but I hear the word persistence. Which is a key element yes. in being lucky. You want more luck in life? Be persistent. And so, what you did there is you you knew what you wanted and you knew your destination and you went for it. But not many people have that persistence, right? They they, they ask for something and then they give up or they don't make the effort at each stage to ensure follow through and and, and success, right? So, when you heard from Nick that you got the job, what what happened next?
1: I I still um, still keep the email. I do have it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, You've got to frame that. What what did it say? You've got it. (laughs) See you
1: tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Well, pretty much so. I think I had my, my final interview with Nick on Friday and on on Monday, I had to start. Um, Happiest, happiest moment, really. It's those, those moments in life, they make a huge, huge difference.
0: Hold on Um, to those highs, right? That's very important.
1: Exactly. Because do you really believe in yourself? Do you think you have the chance? Oh, you're a dental technician, just finished an MBA. No, no, no financial background, no private equity, no venture capital. You have no idea about angel investing. Yes, I was doing some small things, as I've mentioned. So, you know, the little savings I had, a couple of thousand pounds, I would risk them completely. Um, Mm. Maybe that that did the trick. And and also, I've openly shared my story about self-financing the MBA. It's quite an expensive uh, experience. And I come from a very humble background, so there was no chance that my family could support me. The, the banks don't, don't finance MBAs, um, and what do I do? So Lloyds Bank, please close your e- ears, but I took a personal loan, I've invested all of that money into uh, companies in Estonia, my friends' companies, and I was doing more than 100% returns for two consecutive years. And that's how I've made my money to finance the MBA. It was a complete gamble. I could have lost 100% and then just carry on working, repay the loan, right? Or I risk it, save up enough money and apply. And that's what I did. Um, Another so great yeah.
0: lesson for my listeners right now, what you're talking about here in my view, that you know, risk is a key element to getting lucky too. The more risk yes. you take, the luckier you get. And so that... That is real Definitely. guts. Is it your upbringing that gave you this? Where did this this um, risk appetite come from at such a young age? Where, where is it? Your, were your parents big risk takers?
1: Uh, no, no, not at all, not at all. Parents are very mm, old school. It, it, when it comes to the business, they've never had their own businesses, never, never uh, w- taken any risk really. So I thought about it. How how come that? I'm I'm different uh, with with risk perception, and I think it's growing up um, grow, growing up in a country where it was going through such a fast paced transformation after the um, going from a Soviet Union to a new new capitalism, um, a, a new member of the European Union. That transformation was that really inspired me. I looked at the country, and then Estonia did absolutely tremendous. Probably there will be books about Estonia, the same as about Singapore. How do you how do you go from um, from undeveloped economy um, to to a very leading tech nation globally? You know, and now it's the top per unicorn per capita in the world, and I think top three in terms of venture capital investment per capita. Yeah,
0: I don't think people realise this about Estonia, by the way. I mean, I, I've, been, I've interviewed 75 of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm shocked how many of them either have a connection to Estonia through finance or started, mm. uh, are Estonian folks that have started. I just, introduced a, I just interviewed the founder of Moniz Bank, for example. You know, yes. 2.5 million users you know, taking on the big banks, completely created a bank from scratch from Estonia. You know, it's, it's yep. just mind blowing how and I, it seems like the country culture has cultivated this.
1: I think so. So, so th- that was my uh, theory as well. It's, but at the same time, we didn't have anything in school. So it was just, a, just a, I went to a language school. Yes, that's how I had a pretty good level of English. When, when I, moved. I spoke a little German as well, I had Estonia I had Russian. But we had no entrepreneurship. We had no, no, no business. I think it's just looking at the at the country in general and how the country where um, the the government was was developing. I, I think they're running it as a uh, as a company, mm. so it's it, it's an enterprise. The country is an enterprise. So how do you build it to a profitable enterprise? And that's what they do. Uh, maybe maybe that's and uh, as well. I have to be honest. When you have nothing to risk and to lose, you take risks. Mm. And I had nothing so what is
0: there to lose right Uh, that's a very interesting psychology there again I I want my listeners to pick up on this but I reckon that once you've learned that um, you know you've got nothing I had the same I had 15 years old I Mm -hmm. had nothing I had nothing to lose Mm -hmm. and I took risk but once you wake up that risk muscle in your head taking that risk because you've got nothing to lose you learn to develop the love of risk so after you did it the first time maybe you had nothing to lose but I bet you've still kept on risking looking at your CV you definitely have
1: <laughs> yes, you, you, you're right. You're right. And never stopped. But I think now it changed where I keep a little bit of a buffer just in case, and, and everything else I, I, I do risk. Mm. I invest myself, uh, and it's not that I'm. Um, for, for for the clients, I would always say you you never risk more than one two percent for for venture capital angel investment. It's the highest asset, the highest risk asset you can buy. Myself, probably eighty percent. In, in 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 the highest risk uh, category, mm. because again, I don't have millions to lose. I have very little, um, but the potential of the return is there. So, and I work really hard. That's true. Do you we'll have see.
0: Do you have kids? Do you, do you?
1: No, no. I'm. We are. Um, we're working on it. We're planning.
0: <laughs> Good luck. It was harder than I thought it was going to be. I've got one three year old, and uh, you know. <laughs> I spent much of my younger years trying to uh, not have children, thinking it was going to be too easy, and it turned out it wasn't as, as easy as it sounds. But I think when you have children, it, it does, mm. again, change your risk appetite. I mean, for me, yeah, there's absolutely. definitely an element of, you know, I, 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 every single business I personally ever built I've risked it all every single time on every single business because Mm -hmm. it's only me that would end up sleeping on the street right that's the worst it's my my. but when you have a child I think it does change the dynamics but it's interesting you're mentioning there about the one or two percent I've heard that before and it's good for my listeners to hear you know how much of your net worth are you willing to risk but frankly even if it's a hundred or two hundred pounds or three hundred pounds and that's one percent of your total assets you know you should you should be taking a risk with that money right I actually think that that, that teaches you about risk if nothing else best education you ever have is taking risk if you Lose, failure is great, right? I mean, I'm sure from your from your losses, you've you built mm-hmm. up a brilliant insight that that money can't buy. Ironically, did.
1: Yes, you you you're spot on. And look, my first experience, honestly, I've, I've lost two thousand pounds on uh, when I started share share trading. I've opened Lloyd's uh, share trading account. I had two thousand pounds savings. That's when I was working as a dental technician already, uh, and. I've doubled my money on the th- th- in three months because obviously it was recession. It was very easy to, to make, uh, on bounce back. And I thought, wow, okay, I'm an amazing share trader. Mm. And then I did the stupidest thing ever. I, I just put everything into one company mm. and you never do that. I, I didn't diversify at all. So it went from 2000 to 200 within a year. Mm. That was, that was, that was a, for me, a lot of money. Mm. Um, and what I've learned is, no, I will continue learning about trading shares, but I will diversify. That was my lesson. Uh, and, and today, um, I have quite, quite a quite a bigger portfolio in just uh, capital markets. And we're doing really well. We're 40% up in, in three years. And but this is just my personal stuff. This is not my expertise. Or I'm really a venture capitalist, what, what I do. But it's, it's just what I've learned from that loss is yeah, that you I have think, to diversify. Okay, let's read about
0: it. I think it's a really interesting point. I mean, I I, I lost £100,000 when I was 24 years old in the stock market. And I never went back to the stock market. Wow. But I carried on taking risk by buying equity in companies. Because I, I I felt my mm-hmm. learning, and I'd love to hear your opinion. It doesn't have to be the same as mine. I'd love, for the listener's benefit, feel free to disagree. But I, I felt that buying stocks and shares themselves, when you invest in a company, let's say Tesla, you really have no control over influencing the success of that company. You just keep your fingers crossed and hope that Elon Musk doesn't do a ridiculous tweet and does good (laughs) tweets and the business continues to do well, right? But you don't have an influence, really. Even if you buy a car and tell your friends to buy a car, you're not going to make much of a difference. Whereas if you buy equity in a company, Mm -hmm. you can then influence and support that business in much more meaningful ways to almost reduce your risk. I think it's more risky to do the stock market than it is to buy equity in a company. What do you think?
1: Um, angel investing is riskier in my opinion. Um, and I actually, I totally agree with you that if you, if you go for angel investing, when you buy quite a sizable equity in, uh, in a venture that you also will take an active role as a, a, a lot more risk because then you're risking your time and capital. Whereas with Tesla on the public market, your time is limited to, yeah, let's read the news Let, let's make a decision. And then you wait. So actually angel investing is a lot more riskier and also you risk the relationship with the people, with, with, with the team. It can, things can go wrong. You, f- you fell out and you might lose some friends and close associates even. Mm. But angel investing at the same time, high risk, high return, definitely. You will never make hundred times on, on Tesla these days. That's it. It's gone. Plus, I, I personally, uh, again,
0: I, I, love, I love your different point of view. It's one of the reasons I do this podcast show. I want people to have mm-hmm. balanced insight, not, not just mine. So I really appreciate your, your, your other side of the table view on that. The thing I think, I, I, I think gets missed sometimes in business, what I also love about buying equity in a business is that it's fun. You know, it's a lot yep. of fun to be involved in those businesses. It's a bit like you were saying earlier, you learn a lot. Along the way, sometimes investing in stocks and shares is really just looking at the computer all day and maybe analyzing yep. data, but but it's not as much fun. Um, I mean, exactly. What, what do you think? Uh,
1: exactly. I, I look working businesses buy people for the people, right? So when you're just making those clicks on the on the PC and, and looking for the returns, you're absolutely right. There's no fun, uh, and uh, after a couple of years. I think you get so bored of it. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's all green, perfect. I've made money, or I've lost money. It just there's, there's no attachment. Now imagine you have a portfolio of five startups, angel investing, and you go for the board meetings. You you help the uh, the founders, girls and, and young girls and boys. They want to take over the world, and you help them. You push them. You introduce mentors. You introduce connections, suppliers, buyers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's what angel investing is all about. It's fun. You build a relationship. You you actually feel emotionally a lot more accomplished as well. Because you, you cannot make a phone call and open doors for Tesla. <laughs> I don't know why I would keep on going back to well, Tesla. We're picking on then. Tesla a
0: bit, and I, I can already see on TikTok people are like, Tesla's gone up eight times this year, you're all wrong. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of get-rich-quick schemes out there, on, especially yeah. on social media now, that I think sells the concept of, of you know, just sitting on a laptop mm. all day, the lifestyle as if that's, that's the fun way to live. But but I think, you know, you, you've also worked with two other dragons. Um, you've worked with Tej Lavani mm-hmm. and, and Jenny Campbell. Um, yeah, and I, that's I guess um, that's also an interesting thing to talk about, like the psychology of each different type of investor. I mean, I can see mm-hmm. the personalities of these people on the Dragons Den show, but working with these different—is—is is the back end the same? Is the—is the contracts the same? Are the structures the same? Or, or does the VC world have to adapt to the to the personality that we see on TV?
1: Um, right. Speaking of Nick Jenkins, I think he is in real life as he's on TV. He he is that. The, the nicest person you will meet, the uh, um, ethical, honest, as I call it, there's no funny business. Um, Tej Ladvani, we, we work very closely today and we uh, we, we helped to manage the whole of his angel portfolio. Um, he, he's a true man of his word with Tej. So a handshake for him is a contract. Mm. So there's a deal done in the den on those terms, it will stay this way. That's a and lost art form, by the go... way.
0: I'd have to say that's a lost art form. I want my listeners to pick up on that. I, I wish more people would shake hands and deals done. You know, so many people and go, you know, get big legal contracts and they think that's going to protect mm-hmm. them from people that are disreputable. If they're not disreputable and you shake hands, then then it's a big it's a big problem, right?
1: It is. it is. Look, our reputation is especially in our line of business. That's the only thing you have. That's it. You 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 lose your reputation once, you cannot rebuild it. And I I know uh, a story. It was a personal conversation with a multi-billionaire. He used to be in top 20 global Forbes. And he said, Stefan, I had three contracts in my life, everything else handshake. I was shocked. I thought, how, how is this possible in the modern world to do this? he said, well, look, and two out of three, I had disputes and I wasted more time and money on the lawyers then if i just had a meeting in a coffee and, and and just iron things out imagine and that's top 20 I, I can imagine
0: I, 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 my lawyer always says paper will always accept ink that's why he's my lawyer yeah. you know i think at the end of the day if people want to um hopefully won't we'll, we'll get blocked because i say it, but want to screw you they will a bit of paper Ooh. will not stop them all the bit of paper will do if is is, is give you uh, a very expensive legal bill, bill to try and fight them it won't stop them doing it, right? It won't stop them doing it. Which is why it's so important to do business with good people. And clearly, you've been mm. recommended, you know, from your relationship with Nick Jenkins. I'm sure then you got recommended to Jenny and Taj. Reputation is everything, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and for what I'm trying to build in, uh, in amongst the team, and certainly my, my life ethos is ethics is is is, is everything uh, and, and reputation. Um, because that's the only thing I have to lose, really.
0: That's the only thing you can take with you as well. I think I yep. this. This ethics thing is something I feel very strongly about that isn't talked about enough in business. Having fun and ethics is not talked about enough in business. It's and, and too much focus on making money and power, you know. Mm-hmm. And I and I think you know what you're touching on here. Um, that handshake kind of deal is, is so important. And I'm sure you know you've. I'm sure you've done. How many deals have you done? Do you think in, in the in the VC uh, contract world?
1: Over forty,
0: yeah, and I'm sure in every single one of those deals, there is an element that the contract cannot cover.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. So, the, the contract, <laughs> honestly, uh, I hope my lawyer not going to kill me for it as well. But right. I will, I will say this: <laughs> a contract is for both parties to remember what has been agreed. That's, That's
0: fair. That's a very really good way of explaining it. I, I completely agree with you that. Can, I mean, I've actually always done contracts after I've shaken hands, only so that we both remember the deal, because memory One is a funny had. thing,
1: isn't it? Yes, exactly. You, you can put everything on a napkin, and if both of you have a copy of the napkin, that's it. It's the same.
0: Yeah, to- I totally love that. Yeah, we we should do a book, the, the, na- <laughs> the napkin contract, and... Uh, <laughs> I, I i couldn't agree more with you yeah and so so you, you exactly took the, you there, t- should, there should
1: be a new a new a new uh, tool to invest a napkin uh legal document just a one pager that would be the best i love it that that <laughs> so would be a big business by the way hours and hours.
0: i think i think mm. we just created a company there I, I think that's a really good idea anyone listening wondering what yep. to do there's so many people ask me for ideas i'm like do do the napkin contract you know exactly um, blow your nose in it i think it will be uh, i think it'll be big now i noticed on your your history you're a non-executive director for quite a few companies can you explain to my listeners a little bit how a non-executive director works and and the benefits to both sides
1: yes a non-exec role we uh when we make an investment in a company if it's a sizable investment normally you you would have a right to appoint a board director or or an observer and it's, it's an option, it's not an obligation. So the startups can say, we're doing really well and you trust us to, to, to run the company so we don't need your input. At the same time, they might be saying, well, Stefan, I think you have quite a network. Uh, we'd love for you to join the board as a non-executive director. So it's, and then we would a- always say, yes, it could be myself or the member of the team. Um, and when you, uh after the investment, after the completion, if you have been, let's say, invited to, to to join the board, it's a non-exec director, somebody who is not operationally running day-to-day business, but somebody who is there for a monthly or uh, I don't know quarterly meetings and adding value, strategic value, um, and navigating the board, giving a different opinion on things, how the things are going, what the future might be like, um, speculating, right? And that's what a non-executive role is, uh, really.
0: I think a really interesting uh, role. I, I tell you why. I, I speak to five entrepreneurs a day. That's my mission, to, to help five entrepreneurs Whoa. a day for free. They ask me Whoa. questions. I give them advice. And, and yesterday, four out of the mm-hmm. five questions that I had were around how to get board members to help. And, and a lot of these companies don't have any money yet <laughs> to get uh, you know, uh, compensated advisors. So the non-executive role is actually a paid role, isn't it?
1: Um, it, it depends, actually. Some startups uh, prefer, and they, if they cannot afford, then it's not a paid role. Uh, if it's a sizable, quite advanced one, then it is a paid role, of course, because to, to, I'm not saying that I'm somebody that a lot of the companies would love to see on the board, but there are people out there that you would love to have on the board, and their time is very valuable. Mm. And sometimes to attract them, you have to offer something. It could be uh, a, a, an equity option, or it has to be a paid role um It depends. Depends. I'm more than happy to join some startups on the board uh, without any payment. But then I have to be uh, in the mindset and be prepared to help, yeah. and not just yeah, you know, for the sanity, for the vanity. i will sorry, for the vanity. I'll be there. No, no, no. It's how can I help this company and propel it forward? Being on the board, then I will join.
0: Time is the most valuable thing as well. I think there's sometimes people don't realize money is one thing. I'm not saying it's easy to get money, but but it's harder to get people's time, and uh, so there's, there's a big commitment from, from you there. And I just want yeah. to say, because you're very humble. I mean, I've started 18 companies and invested in 68 startups. I look at your background; I'd want well, you on my team. You, you, you know, you, <laughs> your you. experience. You're going blush now, Simon. Well, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> you're going to make me blush by saying that. But but really, honestly, I can I can tell by your sincerity and and what you've done and your track record and and your network you know wow i mean you're you'd be an endorsement to any business and so i guess that's why you are a non-executive director for some pretty amazing companies and i know this is always a hard one but is there any company out there that and i don't want you to pick one of your children here when you pick one (laughs) company out there that you really think is going to be the next big thing or is doing it right is there any company that jumps to mind
1: um, well, apart from everybody in our portfolio, of course. Apart from them, that
0: goes without saying. Click the link below, guys, if you want to see all those amazing companies. But apart from them, or one of them, yeah. if you wish.
1: No, I, I, I'm trying to be diplomatic here. Of course. But look, I will, um, I will share my little insight um, and, and a vision. I think the biggest success will come from a company or a venture that will solve communication. And communication person to person, not in a Zoom, Skype format where we can remotely speak. No, it's the actual a code, the language. Because we speak the same language, we speak English. But then there's so many things that I will not understand because I'm not, it's not my native tongue. The small intricacies. Also, there's, there's a limit of that code, that language that doesn't uh, really transfer emotions well or the intentions really well there's always something in between that you you have to guess or understand and this is specifically true in in great britain what first couple of years it was very difficult for me to to read between the lines because there's so many euphemisms and uh, and things like yeah things are things are going great but actually you know in britain that might mean completely something else so it does
0: often depending on the uh, tone oh things are going great (laughs) 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 could mean things are not going well at all so i know what you mean
1: Exactly. And somebody from the north of Europe does, okay, perfect. Things are going great, but actually no, they're going shit. (laughs) So I think the future is, and and the very big bang uh, will be when, when we solve that issue, when globally everybody can speak the same line of code and it means what it actually means. This will move things a lot, a lot faster, quicker, and the communication will be nice and easy between people um i've actually seen seen, i've I've seen
0: a startup doing technology where in real time as i'm speaking to you now they translate it into the Mm -hmm. other language whatever language you want in real time not via a translator via Mm -hmm. via an audio system
1: System. that's fantastic yeah well, actually, think, so that's to
0: your point I think I think you know a lot of people out there might be learning languages and I think that's that's fun but I actually think ten years from now technology that Google will probably buy and mm. make part of their uh, app will be you know literally you say something and in real time it gets translated with the nuance that you're talking about because that's the tricky bit isn't it yeah. the nuance the highs and lows exactly. tones and and all that sort of stuff
1: exactly and, and I think that that's the uh, in my opinion I would love to find a company to invest in like that. Mm. Well, we should, we should talk about the, that. communication is, is the biggest, it's the most important thing in business. Because, as as we've mentioned, business is by the people for the people. But we have to communicate. Emails, telephones, uh, they don't really give you hundred yeah. percent. Well, I and think the,
0: the next the next holy grail on that is uh you know one of the best selling books of all time is um A men are for mars or women are for venus. So if you could actually get a translator oh, yeah. that makes makes uh, and my partner understand <laughs> what I mean, you know.
1: Yeah, um, I I've read it. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> that's
0: another that's another business right there, isn't it? You know, I'm going to speak into this system, and it's going to make you hear yeah. what I mean, and so and vice yeah. versa.
1: Yeah. And it, be, believe me, there will be a world where it's just one code, one language globally, mm. and it's communicated. Maybe by just the power of thought, you don't have to pronounce anything, mm-hmm. and then we understand each other. Uh, Fifty, hundred years from now, but maybe we'll see. I'd love to see that world. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's also
0: good to know you know what you're interested in. I think for my listeners, if they are developing anything in the communications world, they should definitely reach out to you, shouldn't they? I mean, can oh, I can oh. I just can I just jump back to something you mentioned earlier? Um, I mean, you, I'm always fascinated by education. Okay, I, I feel like. Well, um, part of me worries that for a lot of young people, they think going to university is their only option. If they don't go to university, they're going to miss yeah. out. They get into tremendous debt. And, and I have this opinion. And yeah. not everyone agrees with me. And a lot of people have been very successful have gone to university. But, you know, you, your story is fascinating because you've kind of done both. You've done an MBA and you left you know, your home country mm. and your, your 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 education sounds like 18. But talk about the benefits yeah. and pros and cons. I mean, MBA sounds like it was a real benefit to you, but do you think it also trains people to fear risk?
1: Mm. You know, MBA, it's an interesting cohort of people. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's... it's more benefit from the network... Bias you think there's more benefit the, the, from
0: the network than there is from the education exactly
1: exactly because for mba you, you you go for the network and that was my decision as well decision tree was oh do I go for a fancy brand let's be honest oxford cambridge will will have a much stronger push internationally but then cranfield would have a much stronger alumni base it's the oldest school and it had 30 years ahead of oxford cambridge to produce those alums who are now in very very high positions hmm. and and my boss in the hospital, he uh, was an amazing person. He wasn't really a boss. He was a leader. When I sa- said, uh, Roger, what, what do you think? Uh, Roger Max is his name. I said, what do you think of me doing an MBA? And he was very supportive. I said, stephen go for it, definitely. It's not one of those bosses. Oh, you're going to leave? Okay. Mm. It was, no, 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 no. You go, you go and do it. It's something you will benefit. And you go for Cranfield because that's the strongest alumni database. Um,
0: what was your boss's name? Roger Max. Roger Max, we all need a Roger Max in our lives, don't we?
1: Yes. Not holding you back. Or, if, Not holding you back, if, he's encouraging you. If I might say,ing we all need a a, a Welsh person. and <laughs> all
0: need a Welsh person, because, wow. Now we're getting very defined.
1: <laughs> throughout my journey, it was always, uh, or a lot of the time, it was the, the, um, the, the Welsh that helped me so much. I'm very grateful. The, the first job as a dental technician, that was Gareth Jenkins, a very famous uh, dental surgeon in, in Cardiff. So I was actually a tenant in his in in his house, and once he, you know, visited the property just to collect the rent, and we started chatting. He says, "Oh, what are you doing? I'm a dental technician, trainee dental." I said, "Oh, okay. You know what? I have, I have a a, a lab and a, and a clinic right in the central Cardiff. Why don't you pop in and say hi?" That's it. Somebody just, you know, having a Conversation about picking up the, the rent, <laughs> and then inviting you to uh, to to have an interview, That's and, funny, and is the, he's I, really really famous in, in in the dental world. So I just yeah.
0: I, I just interviewed the founder of Cedars, who um, and he um, and he was talking about how because he, he helps businesses raise money. I mean, they're the largest VC. Mm-hmm. Um, in oh, in yes. the UK, they've invested over a thousand businesses and, and and done amazing things. Over uh, two billion, I think they've invested in total. But um, but he was saying that he got his investment for Cedars from the landlord. That he, you know, same experience. He, he was, <laughs> he, he kind of got talking to the guy he was renting from about how he's trying to start this business, and that, that's how mm-hmm. he got his first investor. So um landlords exactly. aren't all bad. Basically, I think we're saying we should get oh, some yeah. T-shirts oh, yeah. done okay. like that. You know, um.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. You you never know where the um, the luck will come from, right? We just have to communicate, communicate, and um, and share our stories.
0: Hmm. And do you think you've had a big break in business? Do you see one moment that was that big break? Was it working with Nick Jenkins, or do you see other things that have happened in your your business cycle?
1: I think in business terms and venture capital experience, definitely Nick Jenkins. Yeah, hmm. I, I have to be honest because he taught me everything, really. He, uh, he picked me up just after the, uh, business school. Um, and that was, well, th- there was a, yes, to be precise, there was one year I was doing, uh, a healthcare consultancy. I was advising the CEO after the MBA and, and that's the year when, because the graduation happens a year after. So during the graduation ceremony, that's when Nick actually reached out to the school. So it was one year after my MBA, I worked with this consultancy. Um, but obviously, that was very much to do with my background, with healthcare. But with, with Nick, when I started working with him, it was really MBA on steroids because he taught me everything. And imagine somebody of that caliber taking their time to teach you. It, it's phenomenal.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, th- this is the thing I think people don't appreciate about uh, entrepreneurs. Actually, we are quite giving. Especially to mm. those that make it happen themselves, people like yourself, yeah. who who, who yeah. we see potential in and and are willing to work hard, then then you'll get the help. I think a lot of people um, just want to put their hand out and get help, and and I I think you know sounds like you got a mentor in Nick, um, and I think a lot of people want a mentor, right? A lot of people want that yeah. that support, but I think what you did is you gave your time, the most precious thing you have, and you worked hard. And that meant that he gave the same back to you, right? And I think that's the key. Anyone listening wants a mentor. you kind of got to give to get, right? Totally. Totally. I think everyone should get a mentor. If, if everyone can get a Nick Jenkins and a Roger Max in their life, then then, yeah. then they're, they're sorted. <laughs> yeah. aren't they?
1: You see, they, they they all have Welsh heritage, guys. I don't I don't yeah. know what it is about. Them. I,
0: didn't actually, I didn't actually realize Nick Jenkins had a Welsh heritage. I didn't I didn't connect that. Uh,
1: that yes, way. yes, I, I, I'm sure there is uh, there is Welsh but,
0: heritage. Yeah. So just to finish off on the education piece. Do, do you so if, if people are listening and they're thinking they've got mm-hmm. options, right? So they have got like, okay, so should I start my own business, or should I go work for someone else, or should I should I go and do an MBA? You know um what's your view
1: um we should go to professionals so if you have if you have a headache you go to a doctor and the doctors are professionally trained uh now the same goes with business i think we should have the fundamentals right um if it's undergraduate course in business or an mba you still learn the basics you would learn your p l balance sheet you'd, you'd learn how marketing in general works macro economy um, micro economy on, on the basic level you need the foundations right mm. so i would say yes mm. you need the education mm. and also it's the network of people the like-minded people around you and you will learn a lot more from them than you will learn from the books Imagine if you're a self-starter entrepreneur, you've never worked you've, uh, for any company, you've never went to university, um, then yes, you can achieve exactly the same things. But then are you, are you going to speak exactly the same language after, after achieving all this? Can you, will you be able to explain to somebody very, very young and transfer that knowledge without speaking the code, without speaking that language? Going back to our communication piece, because then you, you need the right word for oh, what, what's an asset on the balance sheet. Uh, what's the net asset value, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just the basics, the fundamentals, you have to learn them.
0: It's interesting. And I, again, that's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because I want people to have different viewpoints. And it's, uh, I, I actually have kind of the opposite view to you in a sense mm-hmm. only because I think we all, when you're very successful, I think I have a moderate Thank moderate you. amount of success. And I think once you've been successful, you kind of look back and say, oh, I followed this path and therefore that's why I'm successful. And so yeah. you know, we often end up thinking whatever we did was is the right way for everybody else, right? And of course, mm-hmm. everyone is individual and unique and their own circumstances are different and so on. I mean, I personally left school at 15 and I learned the language of business by doing business. I had yeah. three billionaires that are friends of mine and I got to know them because I did jobs for them with my company my company fluid worked for them in asia mm-hmm. and 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 then i got to know them and then then we became friends and so i built up my network around the businesses and the and the needs of the clients that i was servicing and so um you know so, th- so there's many ways to get there i guess right oh, I, yeah. think, I think that's the other other way and i made money while learning my mba so that, that's mm-hmm. always kind of my pitch about it. But, but equally, I've never done True. an MBA to, to hear, you know, so your point of view is very valid. I think maybe I, I took 10 years to make a network you can make in two years in your MBA. Equally, though, I'm sure there's a couple mm-hmm. of people in that MBA that you didn't get on with. Um, that you yeah.
1: know, maybe if you you know just mention a, names, right? Let's not mention
0: names, you know. Well, now I want to mention names, but but I'm I'm sure I'm sure, right? I mean, there's always going to be that that any network comes. I mean, at school, for example, I can think of people I went to school no. with. I left school at 15, but you know, there's a few people there. Even today, they still stick in my mind as bullies, and I don't want to work with them.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I I I know I know the feeling. I know exactly what you're, what you're saying. But tell me something, Simon, would you if there was an opportunity and you had the time now? Would you do an executive course um, at, a, at a fancy business school? Just-
0: the short answer is no. I think mm. I, I personally enjoy um, learning by doing. And Again, it's, maybe mm-hmm. it's a personality thing. Um, my dyslexia doesn't help. You know, I don't really <laughs> like the idea of having to read a blackboard or, or having to read books or any of those things. Um, I love the people interaction piece. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've definitely two weeks at Stanford done those sorts of things. And, you know, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the, the network piece without doubt. But, but the mm-hmm. actual course itself, I mean, I've, I've, I've spoken a lot. I just spoke at Harvard Business School, for example. And a yeah. lot of the time, you know, I feel like I, I'm, I'm teaching things that they spent hundreds of thousands of US dollars learning everything only to realize they've got 25% mm-hmm. gap. Which is what I call real life experience, yeah. which I think you just can't get from a course. And, and 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 although I mean the university you know you've gone to has got some amazing professors, but a lot of the times in some of these uh, courses, the, the teachers themselves have never started a business in their life. And when mm-hmm. I went uh, to the Harvard uh, Business School uh, program, mm-hmm. sometimes they're teaching you about what happened in the dot com and why yeah. it went wrong. And it has no relevance to what's actually happening today. And all it does is teach you about this guy that started a business in the dot-com era, what he did, and then it failed, you know, and then they analyze it. Mm-hmm. But it has no relevance to the, you know, the now, what is it, 2 billion people that are online versus 150 million back in 2000. You know, like, like that, yeah. It, it, it's, I, I, my experience with these courses is that, and I think the stats that stack up to my point too, that 7 out of 10 people that come out of an MBA go back into a job. You know, it doesn't, mm. it doesn't teach you to take risk. It doesn't teach you to be persistent. These are the things that only life can oh, yeah. teach you.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. The MBA is really geared for consultancy and, and financial roles and corporates. That, that, that 70% of the people will probably go to consultants, um, the big names and the big banks, mm. but 30% still will, will risk and do something. Um, probably smaller, actually. The entrepreneurs will be smaller. Um, But maybe there's scope for creating or developing a program where it's a mix.
0: I agree. I think we're now coming up with our third business in in this podcast. today. There (laughs) is a need for a mix. There is a need for a mix. And and in, in fairness to the business schools, they are inviting entrepreneurs in to share their stories. I think that's the beginning of it. But then I think people should go and work for Nick Jenkins for a year, and that would be a real life MBA, just like you've done. You know that—that's where you're oh, going to learn the most. Oh right? gosh! Oh
1: gosh! I'm I'm so worried now for for Nick's uh, his, his email. inbox is going to be uh, <laughs> overloaded.
0: I'm sure it already is overloaded. But I wanted to switch gears. I mean, you've had two exits. And and tell us a little bit about that process for those that are listening, that aspire, have a business today and would love an exit or thinking of building a business and dream of an exit. I mean, I've had an exit, but I'd love to hear, you know, your story on the exit. What's, What's your view on the whole exit pitch?
1: Right, so I think I think actually there were a few a few more that I've I've been involved with. Um, you need to update selling. your
0: LinkedIn. We we grab that from your LinkedIn. We, we ah,
1: <laughs> I I keep it a little bit secretive. The other ones.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. oh we exclusive! We got an exclusive on the podcast today.
1: Okay. <laughs> Look, the um, for me the very first one was the most difficult one to be honest because you have no idea what you're doing, and the the lawyers we're going back to the lawyers. They love to take their time. And it could drag and drag forever in a day, unless you get involved in the process yourself. So what, at the end, what happened, I just had, I lost lost the nerve. I said, okay, we have to somehow put this thing to work and, and, and propel it forward. I got together, one room, everybody on the one side, everybody on the other side. And I just sat in the middle. And I've said, until we sold this out and we signed it today, we're not getting out of this room. That's pretty much was my approach after six months of debating, negotiating, and talking and talking. And on that meeting, within three hours, we unlocked 99%, and then it was done within within a month. So I think the, the learning for me was, again, communication. Communicate, communicate, communicate. And the only way to do it, get in one room, open, no secrets, get all your bad and good thoughts out um, with the lawyers in the room and that's the only way to do it otherwise it can drag forever
0: yeah I had a was, experience yeah that's good advice I mean just get in the room with the people don't let too much in between happen otherwise it can get lost in translation right the spirit of the deal can yeah. get lost
1: and also appoint professionals if, if you're a busy founder busy, busy entrepreneur you have to run your company be mindful, it, it is a long, difficult process. And if you had a uh, corporate finance to run the process, yes, you will pay the fees, but then it will it will free up all of your, or 90% of your time. And this corporate finance, if, if they know what they're doing, then they will do exactly this. They'll get everybody in one room um, because they're incentivized by closing the deal and they will have a commission on the closing of the deal. Not, they're not going to bill you by hourly rate, at least what but, but, but we would do. So our incentive is actually make it quick, efficient, and uh, and workable for both sides. So let's get everybody in one room. Let's talk. Let's discuss, and let's sign. Um, if you do it yourself, which you can do with together with with your lawyer and your tax advisor and an accountant, it will take you six months. Then it will take you. A, a, attention away from the business. So your real business will actually go, might go a little bit down. And then the buying side saying, oh, look, we've been negotiating for three months and the numbers for the last two months, they were quite bad. What's happening? Oh, we're gonna renegotiate the price. And then it just turns into a mess. I
0: noted that um, I watched the pitch for Look After My Bills on Dragon's Den. I'm sure a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. My US and uh, Asian listeners, you should go watch the episode. Um, I think it's Jenny Campbell, from from my memory, that invested in it, right?
1: Uh, and Tej as well. Both. Tej as
0: well, that's right. Yeah, they, they mm-hmm. combined invest. So that, that that was one of the exits. And, and um, was the exit planned out in advance? Was the pitch? Did the pitch have an exit in it? Or, or was it it just happened one day someone said we'd like to buy it? How, how was it? I guess what I'm trying to teach people, mm-hmm. if they're planning their businesses out, is it better to, you know, plan an exit or is it better just to, to work on the business and don't worry about an exit?
1: I think the latter is better to grow a great company and then the buyers will come. I would look after my bills. That's what happened. We, whenever I hear a pitch or see a business plan, it says, oh, there's exit. In three years' time, and here is what's going to happen. And here's what's the multiple. To me, that is all nonsense. It's all bluff. You never know what's going to happen in in two years' time. It, there's 90% guarantee the business will go bust. That's just statistics. So why are you bother talking even about the exit? If it's a solid company, if it's EBITDA positive, it is cash flow positive. There will be a buyer anyways. Just build a great company. Don't think about the money. Don't think about the exit. The great great tip
0: there for people listening. You know, drop the exit slide. Just drop sure. it. Exactly. It's not Just good for it. you, and investors don't care about it as much as you think.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: What, what uh, the, do you look real... for when you're looking at investment decks? Is there anything? No, I say drop the exit slide. What mm. would you like to see more of in in an investment deck? Is there any particular thing that you think that's really important? People forget it sometimes.
1: Honesty, transparency, humbleness. Don't, man, don't mention Facebook. Don't mention bolts. To build a company like that will take you 20 years. So mentioning it, again, it's pointless. You don't know what's going to happen in 20 years with your company. Uh, Honesty, this is something that a lot of the pitch decks lack. Um, Even on the forecast, they, they haven't done the analysis of the size of the market, of the opportunity, of the cost of that growth. And then you can see the forecast, oh, 1 million first year, 10 million next year, 100 million next year. This is all bluff. Come on, just it, whenever I see a deck where it says 1 million, 1.52, I think, wow, okay, that might be interesting because the guys are serious or, or, or the girls are serious. They're not, they're not just bullshitting about the growth. And then there might be another slide on the marketing piece saying, how are we going to achieve this? How much is going to cost us? What's the acquisition cost? Um, and then one point about competition. I always say that even God has competition. So do not say that we don't have competitors. And, and, and you know you those those boxes with competitor analysis, you have all the fancy brands in there and you have ticker box kind of exercise. And you see our company, everything is ticked and everybody else is crosses. This is nonsense. Come on. There, there are competitors doing exactly what you do, doing better job at it. Find them, tell us about them. You, if you don't know there's something out there in Estonia or or in Sri Lanka, well, that's that means you haven't done your research, but there are. Mm.
0: Yeah, that, I, that, I, that I, I, I just gold what you're explaining here to people. Well, look, I'm conscious of time, and you've given us a lot of it, and you've shared a lot of insightful uh, bits and bobs for our listeners to learn from. I really appreciate it. I guess um, I want to just uh, 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 wrap up, if possible, with a final question and, and ask you you know, if you, if you went back to your younger self um, and gave some advice, what,
1: what would it mm-hmm. be? Mm, that's a tough one. I would say don't be afraid to follow your heart and do what you really, really want to do. With me, dental technology was an amazing period of my life. But the honest truth is it wasn't my first choice. I've only went for it because I was afraid that I'm not going to find a job and I won't be able to, um, to earn my bread because dental technology is a lot more stable career, if you like. And um, that would be my advice. Don't be afraid to follow the heart and do what you really want to do. If you want to be a, a physicist or historian or, or, or ballet dancer, go for it. Don't, don't go to be a dentist or a banker. Follow your heart.
0: I love it. I've really enjoyed talking to you today. I'm going to sum up some of the things that I've taken away uh, from this. Um, first of all, everyone needs to go to Estonia. As soon as COVID's over, you need to book a flight and go breathe in that energy and, and the opportunity there. Everyone needs to get a Roger Max and someone Welsh. Ideally, both in your life makes a big (laughs) difference. I think we agree that persistence is key to your luck. And I think risking it all will teach you to enjoy risk as you have done. I think we need to start a few businesses. So, you know, definitely um, napkin legal. And we should trademark Mm -hmm. that as soon as possible or someone else should do it today. I love the business schooled was the name I've just come up with, you know. We'll um yep. we'll, we'll we'll recreate the business school because I think there's definitely benefits in both ways of working the experience and the actual practicalities of it all and I I think solving communications which I think in general would be good I think a lot of the time these news channels are confusing people the communications even on that level depending on the mm-hmm. slant and how they what they believe as they deliver the news to you creates a confusion in communication, and so you know that I think that's a real big opportunity that uh, that, that we should help people make happen. I love the point you made, which even God has competition. It's um, it's again I want to make it a t shirt. We should, and I think it's yeah. uh, it's also true. People make a pitch and they say they've got no competition. I worry mm-hmm. about that, and I'm sure you do too. There's no such thing as building a business with no competition, and equally, I think it should spur you on. Google wasn't the first search engine. Skype wasn't the first one to try and do telephone calls. (laughs) So, you know, ultimately, um, there's there's a big opportunity in in competition. And I I love your feedback and uh, point for people to listen to around, you know, pitch decks, you know, being humble, being honest, being authentic. These things are getting lost in the mix and they are ironically. Um, what a very well-respected VC yourself have said today, I want people to hear it, I want people to realize it, and I want people to instigate it in their lives, get rid of that exit uh, slide yeah. for your own personal yeah. sanity and to enjoy the business and and so you don't get the wrong sort of investors on board because the right investors, that's not what they'll be thinking about. They'll be thinking about how to help you build a great business. So um, I want to thank Nick Jenkins for helping you, for you then to to share the knowledge with my community today without Nick Jenkins, you wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be able to share this wonderful knowledge. So thank you, Nick. Hopefully you're listening. That's it, folks, today. That's our podcast. I want to thank my guest, uh, Stefan Goliath, uh, who's a VC who works with folks at Dragon's Den and other wonderful clients, helping people start businesses with meaning. I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, So. It's been Thank wonderful to have
0: you here. And, and guys, um, if you found today's podcast useful in any way, do me a favor, hit the like button so the algorithm knows it's useful to people like you so people like you also get to hear this information. If there's any particular segment in the podcast that you felt one of your friends needs to hear, maybe it's getting rid of that exit slide, for example, before they go and pitch to investors, please share this content with them. If you need help in any way to start a business or grow your existing business, we are the world's only free entrepreneurial platform. We want nothing from you in return. We are simply here as a group of entrepreneurs trying to help you be successful in difficult times. If you're struggling to find a job right now, which we know many people are, then maybe create a job for yourself. Maybe Stefan's story today can inspire you. You don't need a network. You can go and borrow the money from the bank, start investing. You can go get yourself an MBA and make a network and you can create that future you want. Don't wait for a job, create one for yourselves. And if you want a job, start learning learning the things that matter to you. That's another thing I've taken from today's podcast. You've got to do things you love. Maybe you'd be in a fantastic dentist and I love it that you could make people smile like Stefan did, but maybe that's not your calling. Listen to your calling. Go out there and make it happen. If you agree with anything that's been said today, then please share the broadcast with others so they can also get this knowledge. And if you've got any questions, leave a comment. We always reply to all our comments. We get thousands of comments every week. We always reply to them. If you need anything from us, reach out. We do daily lives where you can come on and share your problems and we will help you for free. Of course, you can consume our podcast show as you are today. But equally, we've also got webinars that are free on how to scale a business, how to start a business. So feel free to sign up to our mailing list and we'll make sure you don't miss out on any of these free tools that will help you build your dream. We know you have thousands of podcasts. I believe it's 784,000 podcasts that you could be listening to, but you've taken the time to listen to ours and we feel incredibly lucky.